0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 1,286. Well, the sequence with the Resistance bombers in The Last Jedi is probably one of the most talked about ones, and it has led to a lot of questions for fans that have actually been answered and rather decisively in the Incredible Cross-Sections book, and we're going to get into that right now. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Brian J. Jones, author of George Lucas, The Life, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And, you know, I don't know why A, I was not aware of this, or B, why this isn't bigger news somehow in the Star Wars universe, but Pablo Hidalgo is apparently deleting whole thousands of batches of tweets. I imagine it has to be thousands because right now his Twitter feed says that he's only tweeted 511 times and it only goes back to January 3rd. I know for a fact, obviously, that he's tweeted a lot more than that. We all do because we've all seen some wonderful stuff from him over the years. But the reason why I was looking for his Twitter feed was one particular tweet in regard to resistance bombers, which I thought was rather hysterical and I suppose I should probably jump back a step or three to explain, because without context it kind of loses its humor, but the gist is that it has to do with the resistance bombers and how it is that the bombs could fall out the bottom of the resistance bomber and smash into things like the Fulminatrix, which if you'll recall is the name of that First Order dreadnought that we see getting destroyed in The Last Jedi, and we find that out thanks to the wonderful Last Jedi and incredible cross-sections book from dk publishing which is what we're talking about this week various elements thereof and once again thank you very much dk publishing for sending me a copy of it to pour over in great detail and find elements that are really awesome to share with star wars fans here on the podcast And the book actually has an answer to this quandary about the bombs dropping out of the resistance bomber. But it's different actually from the one that I remembered reading from Pablo Hidalgo and from the explanations that I've seen online. Pablo's tweet roughly was framed around the idea of some sort of either creature or ghost or something floating up from a conch shell in the middle of the sea, as I recall it. Something like coming up and whispering that there's gravity inside the resistance bomber or something like that and then returning back to the conch shell i know i'm not remembering it correctly but it was rather amusing when i saw it hopefully you might remember the same thing and if you happen to have a screenshot of it then by all means send it my way (laughs) so I can accurately quote it in a corrections and errata segment in a future episode. But even so, the gravity explanation makes sense because there is clearly gravity in the Resistance bomber. We see them walking around inside it. The way they're going up and down the ladder, uh, specifically Paige Tigo going up and down the ladder, is clearly gravity-based because she's not floating around like it's the International Space Station or anything like that. Nope, everybody we see on that bomber is in standard gravity by all appearances. So yeah, if you turn the bombs on and they fall in gravity, then that inertia is just going to keep going and drop them right down into the dreadnought. That's how it should work. However, it had occurred to me a while ago to just Say Well, you know, why couldn't they be pushed? Like, why isn't there some mechanism that could just push them down? And that would certainly be more than enough explanation for it. Well, it turns out that Jason Fry, the writer of the Incredible Cross Sections book, has actually contributed that exact answer to the situation. Although it isn't just necessarily a mechanism push it, it's a little more sophisticated than that because, of course, it's Star Wars and there's actual technology well thought through. And so here is the caption from Inside Incredible Cross Sections. It says, sequenced magnetic plates, paren, Propel bombs from magazine. That's what they refer to as the chamber that holds all those bombs, the magazine. Now, to me, that sounds like the same principle as a maglev train, for example. You know, those trains that float and are propelled by magnets that are basically switching on and switching off to keep the train going. That's the principle behind why the bombs drop out. And in case you were wondering how many bombs there are on that thing, because it sure looks like there are quite a lot. The answer is 1,048. So yeah, try that trivia question on your friends and see how well they do. And while we're talking about the resistance bombers, there is one other thorny question that fans have raised about the resistance bombers, a thing that doesn't necessarily make sense upon its face, at least when you first look at it or think about it or watch it, which is why do they tell the bombers to stay in such a tight formation considering the chain reaction that happens that ultimately destroys all but one of those resistance bombers? Well... The awesome thing about this incredible cross-sections book, I had to flag for you the fact that it came out on December 15th, so whether they were already anticipating that fans were going to watch this and say, uh, dude, why is this the case, or whether it was just happenstance or good luck, I don't know, but they have the answer for this, and they had it before anybody started complaining about it on Twitter or Reddit or any other internet service. Here's what Jason Fry writes about it. It says, Bombers are slow and ungainly, leaving them vulnerable to enemy starfighters during attack runs. For protection, they depend not just on fighter escorts, but also on each other. Resistance flight instructors teach bomber pilots that it is essential to fly in a tight formation, opposing attacking fighters with overlapping fields of fire. The rear and ventral turrets offer a potent defense against attackers approaching from below or from the rear, but are less effective against threats from above or in front of the bomber squadron. And presumably that is where the fighter escorts come in. Although I will say that somebody should have shot that TIE fighter down a little bit more thoroughly because it came from below and from the side. You know, the one that crashed into the resistance bomber that set off the chain reaction. And I think really what needs to happen is those resistance flight instructors need to train their bomber crews to turn the bombs on much later in the process, like just before they're about to drop them, right? I think they were probably turned on a bit too early, and that's where the problem was caused. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with a little bit more fun here for you. Stay tuned. Of course you do, so please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7 by 7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. So, one of the other interesting questions about the resistance bombers out there that not everyone has really asked, I haven't seen a lot of chatter about online, is where exactly were these resistance bombers when it was time for the attack on Starkiller Base? Well, it turns out there is an answer to that, and it is clarified in the incredible cross sections book so i've briefly mentioned here the cobalt squadron novel by elizabeth wren that i'm actually reading with scorekeeper declan right now and it involves all these resistance bombers that's one squadron there's also a crimson squadron too anyway those bombers were on a different mission and were just returning to Dakar right in time for the evacuation. Good timing, right? And eventually we'll talk about Cobalt Squadron here on the podcast and what the deal is with that novel, but for the time being, I thought you might be interested in knowing just why it was that the Resistance bombers were able to suddenly show up for The Last Jedi, but hadn't been available in The Force Awakens. So there is the answer for you. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go caressing a senator, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans of the podcast... Become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7X7. It's not coarse like sand, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.